Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au. Today I'm just going to share for a few minutes around um, Christmas, of course, given we're doing a carol service, particularly around Christmas hope. Christmas hope, I think that's a really, really important thing uh, for human beings, that we have hope. I think about what is the word hope, what does it mean? Uh, Hope is that inner strength and inner confidence when you feel you're completely lost in the bush, but with that hope and confidence you don't give up and you don't give in. Hope actually keeps you going. I was only thinking earlier this week about uh, Stuart Diver. Does that name ring a bell for some of you? Uh, About a bit over 20 years ago, he was uh, in that Threadbow landslide and he survived just over 60 hours to to be actually rescued out of that landslide. He needed lots of hope to actually get through that situation. Hope is a really, really important thing. And we want to talk today about the hope that Jesus Christ brings true hope, eternal hope, at Christmas. But if we just backstep a little bit, though, for this year and think about how this year's gone as far as 2020 is concerned and how hope's taken a bit of a battering, particularly with coronavirus, we can quickly see that we are so glad Christmas has come in many respects. It's like it's given us a sigh of relief or a breath of fresh air or some sort of normality has somewhat come back to our lives given the year we've just had. It's like we've been waiting for Christmas to come to sort of just tick the box, as it were, to say life sort of can get back to normal after all the lockdown despair and the hopelessness that we've all felt during this year. And if there's one thing that has taken a battering this year with all of us, it's our hope, isn't it? If we look back over this year, it's our hope. Corona has affected every one of us. doesn't matter how mentally resilient we are. It's actually had an effect upon our hope. Corona burst into our lives March 15th uh, when our Prime Minister had that uh, infamous press conference there on that Sunday afternoon and he announced uh, at that particular time some very strict measures were going to take place to stop this spread of this virus. Uh, Gatherings of social uh, connection would be drastically reduced. We couldn't actually get together even in a group like this. At one point we were down to just our families in our homes and nothing else. He said quarantining would become a mandatory thing for for international travellers. Just Victoria didn't quite get that right there for a while, did they, a few months ago? But that was what he announced back then. And not only that, and and the weeks sort of following on from that, we saw a whole range of other measures come into place as well at our workplace, working from home, schools, school at home, restaurants, cafes, sporting clubs. You couldn't even go fishing there for a period of time in Victoria. Walking was restricted to just 30 minutes a day in some places. And even simply just having a play date with some friends in the park at the playground, you went down there and they were all taped off. You couldn't actually get to the playground and have your play date there with your best friends. What did all these things do? They began to put pressure on our hopes in life. They began to press against us and squeeze us about hope. And again, as corona measures were further tightened, again with the the rise in infections of Victoria a few months ago, we saw these unheard of laws, curfews imposed, 
Beyond 8 o'clock at night, it was illegal to be out of doors, out of your house, off your property. And once uh, taken for granted the freedoms of life and liberty, they were now severely reduced by the government trying to stop this virus going any further. Hope was getting pressure put upon it at this time. Not only that, the airline and the travel industry literally shut down overnight. Planes were parked on tarmacs all over Australia at the major airports. Nothing could happen. People were losing their jobs by the thousands, not the hundreds, by the thousands. Businesses and hospitality were doing just the same. Jobs were stopping just like that. We saw those long queues lining up for the job keeper and the job seeker and all those sorts of things on news media. Things we'd never seen before in our generation. People had booked holidays for rest and enjoyment, which is a really good thing to have a holiday, to get some rest and enjoyment. We're forced to cancel everything. Some people plan to trip overseas. Okay, you can't travel overseas. Or maybe we'll go to Queensland. You couldn't go to Queensland. Or maybe we'll go to New South Wales. Couldn't go to New South Wales. We'll go to Victoria, but even then you could only go in certain areas of Victoria there for a period of time. A very crazy year. And even only up to a few weeks ago, we actually couldn't cross the border into New South Wales. It's only maybe five or six weeks ago and that was still there. What did all of this do for us as we experienced these things in this year of 2020? The things we hoped for in life were being taken away from us. The very things that were building our foundations of life on for hope and comfort were being taken. I was just hoping for a stable job for a steady income. That's what I was hoping for. Taken away from me. I was hoping to just grow this business so that I could successfully have a secure retirement when I got to the end of my working life. That was taken away for some. I'm just hoping to get a deposit for a new home that I could buy. That was taken away from some people. I'm just hoping for a good holiday of rest and relaxation. Again, that hope was challenged, taken away for many. I'm just hoping to visit my family in another state. I have a daughter who lives in Brisbane. Thank the Lord she's down here with us now. But at one point we were planning to go there in July. It didn't happen. That hope was taken away from me. You see, with coronavirus as well, it wasn't only just the hopes. It actually affected our mental health as well. Uh, skyrocketing numbers, people struggling with despair and even suicide numbers increasing week by week as this hope was crushed around about us. So what was happening here when this was all taking place? Our hopes in life were being crushed right before our very eyes. The very things that were the foundations or we thought were the foundations of our lives were crumbling. They couldn't sustain us. They couldn't meet our needs. You see, Corona revealed to us that many things that we hoped in our life to keep us healthy and well and mentally well and all things like that were so easily just taken away from us, easily stripped away from us. And when that happened, we were vulnerable. We felt exposed. And even in 2020, I think some of us have realised that we live very fragile lives 
in a fragile world. This virus comes along and it stops everything. Fragile lives in a fragile world. And our hope, our hope in life, severely tested, severely tested. In many respects, the world we live in hasn't changed down through the centuries. Sure, a bit more extreme and unprecedented being the catchphrase of the word of 2020, but really down through the centuries, the world hasn't changed. Even the world here that um, Tommy read for us before from Luke 2, uh, in first century Palestine 2,000 years ago, very similar to what we're experiencing today. Simeon, we read about him in that Luke chapter 2 there, uh, he lived in a hope-deprived world as well. He didn't necessarily have corona like we've got that today, but he had the Roman army who were occupying the land of Palestine at that time and they were crushing the hopes of the Israelites. The Roman government, the Roman army had overrun Palestine and harshly oppressed them in all sorts of ways, enforcing their, as it were, hope-crushing taxes upon them. They couldn't get anywhere ahead in life as far as financial prosperity was concerned. Or they were ruthlessly suppressed if any uprising happened at all to sort of push back against these unfair restrictions of the government at that particular time. So Simeon experienced a hope-crushing world just like we experienced a hope-crushing world in different dimensions. But Simeon, though, he had a deeper understanding here of what was happening in his life, in all of our lives, actually, when it comes to this idea of our hopes being crushed. It says there in verse 25, as Tom read there before, it says he was a devout and righteous man. Simeon was a devout and righteous man. Who, what does that mean? Simeon carefully and truly followed God. He knew God to be the sovereign creator of this universe. He knew God to be the one who gave Simeon his every breath, who gave Simeon the ability to lift his hand, to open his eyes. He devoutly and righteously followed God. Simeon also knew that God was to be loved and worshipped above everything in this world, above everything rightfully because he is our creator and he is a good God. Simeon had this deeper understanding of who God was, devoutly following him. But Simeon also knew this about himself and about this world where we all live. He knew that humanity had turned their back upon God and didn't love and worship him as their life giver. Simeon could see that in his own life and he experienced that in the life around about him. That God isn't number one in people's lives that we don't truly consider God as first and foremost in our lives. Simeon could see that back then, and in many respects, no different today. Ask yourself this. When you got up this morning, were you thinking about God? Were you thinking today at some point, how can I love and delight in God more? Did that really go across your mind today? Has God been a focus in your mind, actions and speech, at any time today? Did you see God as supreme? See, Simeon knew that none of us do that completely and truly. 
And this is the reason we have a hope-deprived world. This is the reason why we have a crushed hope world. We've all sinned against God. We've turned our back on God and we've lived our own way. We've all said that we live like the world revolves around me. Everything's here for me. Everything and everybody is here to meet my wishes, my desires and my thoughts. If we're really, really honest, that's what we want. We want everything to revolve around me. So what does God do here when people turn their back upon him like that? What does he do? Well, the Bible tells us he gives us up to these foolish desires. He gives us up to these foolish ways. He allows us to have exactly what we want. A life without God. A life revolving around me. But we've got a lot of me's in this world, like billions of me's, and we're all clashing together because we all want life to revolve around me. God gives us up to these things. He says, if that's what you want, I'll let you have that. But there's consequences for that. And the consequences are the broken lives that we are a part of and the brokenness in our own lives. Why? Because we now live in a fallen, broken, hope-crushed world. We've turned our back upon him. You see, Simeon in Palestine 2,000 years ago was well aware of these things. He could see with greater understanding and deeper thoughtfulness as he looked into the world around about him. He knew that all of humanity had this massive problem with God. They turned their backs upon him and said, life's about me and not about God. And Simeon knew well that we would all stand before God one day and have to give an account for our life, to stand before our creator and give an account of who we are and what we've done about him. Scary thought. Simeon also, though, knew this about God as well. That God hasn't left us hopeless. God hasn't left us hopeless. God hasn't left us, as it were, sailing the boat of life, filled full of holes, in the middle of the ocean, taking on water rapidly and sinking as fast as it can. Then without hope in that situation. God hasn't left us like that. Now God has done something miraculous about this situation. Something we don't deserve. Something we haven't earned. But he has done something amazing to bring hope into our lives. Look again there in verse 25, and we'll put that up on the screen for you as well. Look at what it says there. It says, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. He's waiting patiently there for comfort and hope to rescue him. He's waiting for this something to come along, this consolation that will bring him uh, comfort and hope in a desperately hopeless situation. Well, who is or what is this consolation of Israel that Simeon's waiting for here as we read in Luke chapter 2? What is it that Simeon's waiting for? Well, the whole passage here shows us who that is. It's a person. It's a person. What do we see next in the story? 
In verse 26, the following verse here, uh, God leads Simeon into the temple here uh, that day and shows him that he'll see who this consolation is. Miraculously, God leads him in there. He says, Simeon, you are going to see this consolation today. God reveals to Simeon at this particular time that he'll see the Messiah or God's chosen saviour who'll bring hope to this hopeless world. Follow it on here, verse 27. And what does Simeon see there in verse 27? Simeon sees the baby Jesus, miraculously born of the Virgin Mary. If you go back through your programs and read some of the lines there, you'll see this filling in all the gaps of what I'm talking about now. The baby Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary. Simeon sees this baby in the temple. It's 40 days after the birth of Jesus, following the Jewish tradition and the Jewish culture and law back then. And he brings him to the, and Mary brings Jesus, baby Jesus to the temple as an act of dedicating him to God as the firstborn male in the family, giving him back to God as a dedicated gift. Simeon sees here this tiny, helpless, not even seven-week-old baby boy. And you say, what? Is, is this the consolation of Israel? This thing that all it does is poos and wheeze and cries? Is, is this it? God's ways are very different to our ways in the way he does things. God wonderfully reveals to Simeon at this point in time. This baby, baby Jesus, is God's gift of hope. Of hope for salvation to the world. Simeon beautifully here and affectionately, he takes this babe up in his arms. He takes the baby Jesus from Mary. He holds that baby close to himself. And if you read the passage strip there, actually he bursts out with a song. If you've got your Bibles, you'll see it's actually typed in different italics there. It's telling us it's a song that he sings, as it were, over this baby. And he bursts out with praise and thanksgiving as God reveals to Simeon who this is. And he tells us there in verse 30, he says this, as God is revealing this to Simeon, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen the hope. Yes, it's in a tiny baby, but God, you've revealed to me the consolation of Israel. You've revealed to me this salvation. You've revealed to me the hope in this tiny baby. God, this is the gift you've given to us. Not just a temporary gift, but an eternal gift of hope. A hope that will not put us to shame. A hope that will not let us down. This is the Christmas story. This is who the baby Jesus is. This is God revealing to us his plan of salvation, his plan of rescue, his plan of hope. It's all about Jesus Christ and the hope he brings. It takes a turn, though, even in this story here as Simeon is talking to Mary because ultimately the hope that Jesus brings comes through death. Let's look at what Simeon says there to Mary in verses 34 and 35 of this passage. He says to her there, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Probably not something every mother would want to hear when they're dedicating their baby. Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul. 
Simeon doesn't know it at this stage, but he's referring here to the death of this tiny baby 33 years later. Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, has come to die. To pay the price of our rebellion, to pay the price of our rejection of God, Jesus dies on a cross to give us salvation and to give us hope. Out of his death springs new hope, eternal hope for our lives. It's a glorious picture when our eyes are opened up to it, the hope that God brings. And let me tell you about this hope. It's glorious in the future, but it's presently experienced in our own hearts right here, right now, as we turn to Christ in faith and trust in his death for us. Look at what Simeon says here in verse 29 as he's thinking about this and he, he, as it were, expresses this in song. He says, I'm filled with peace. I can go to my grave now in peace. I can depart in peace. What's he saying there? God, you've revealed this salvation to me, this peace now in this hope-deprived world of Palestine, cruelly oppressed by the Roman army. My heart is filled with peace. I can go to my grave with peace. That's the hope that the gospel brings through Jesus Christ right here, right now. Earlier this week, I had the privilege to be on a Zoom call uh, with a Christian lady living in Iraq. She was uh, calling in from Iraq, and I was part of it with uh, Open Doors. Uh, And she made this remarkable statement uh, that has stuck in my mind ever since. She was talking about going through the the last six or seven or eight years of the ISIS uh, war there through Iraq. And she was just explaining her experience and what she went through. And she said this. She said, we lost everything we had in the ISIS campaign. We lost our homes. We lost our businesses. Some of us lost our families. We lost everything. The last few years, everything was literally taken away from us. But then she says this. But they could not take away the hope that Jesus brings to us. That's the eternal hope that the gospel delivers right here, right now. They could not take away the hope that Jesus brings to us. Powerful, powerful statement. See, it's a powerful hope that Christ brings. It's an indestructible hope that Christ brings. Simeon knew that hope. This Iraqi lady in the ravaged, war-torn ISIS campaign, she knew that hope. She grasped who this baby was. What's your hope this Christmas? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping I get a great present. Is that what you're really hoping for? Maybe. How long will that last? If you're a child, but as quick as you can take the wrapping paper off and then it's sort of finished. If you're an adult, it might last a bit longer. What are you hoping for this Christmas? The greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas is the gift of salvation and the gift of hope. Because ISIS could come and they could take everything away from you. But they cannot take the hope of Jesus Christ. That is indestructible. That is the most glorious Christmas gift we could ever receive. Let me pray. 
trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 